Hi, this is Mike with episode 15 of Getting Everyone Moving, a podcast brought to you by Palms to Pines Parasports. Today we have another special guest, uh, my friend and fellow board member, Ali. Hey, Ali. Hey, Mike. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Let's get right into it. So how did you become involved with adaptive sports? So my journey with adaptive sports began in high school. Um, but just to give you some backstory first, I be- uh, first became wheelchair bound when I was six years old. I was in a car accident, rear-ended by a drunk driver and then sandwiched by another guy going 80 miles per hour. Um, and I was in the hospital, Loma Linda Children's Hospital, for a total of three months. And I was in a coma for a month. And uh, I was initially put in a, into a wheelchair. You know, I was wheelchair bound. And, uh, but I was continuously going to physical therapy as a child. And I eventually started to walk on a walker. And then uh, after that, I progressed to forearm crutches. And I walked on forearm crutches mostly throughout middle or elementary school, middle school, and high school. But halfway, well, halfway through my junior year in high school, I got my first um, everyday sports wheelchair uh, via through my insurance. And uh, so I started to use that more, you know, and just using the wheelchair in general and being able to go fast in it, I felt was so liberating, you know, and I compared it to the feeling of running, just feeling the breeze through my face, you know, and I just loved it. And so um, that year, Half well, halfway through my junior year of high school, I think it was after winter break in February. That was uh, the first Tour de Palm Springs that I was a part of, and um, I was uh, so I was involved with the Shriners back then in high school, and they wanted me to you know help them with at their booth at the Tour de Palm Springs. So I was like, sure, why not? And um, apparently they um, collaborated with an organization called Insight Joint Mobility at the time. And uh, they wanted to put me on the back of their pedicab. And the director of Insight at the time, Judy May, she, when she met me, she was expecting, you know, to meet this kid who was like, you know, uh, who had a lot of limitations and wasn't very mobile or whatever, but she met me. (laughs) <laughs> and she asked me, you know, like all a series of questions, like, what are you involved in? Like, do, what sports do you play? And I told, you know, I love to race around in my wheelchair. I play basketball, tennis, whatever I can get my hands on. So instead of putting me on the back of a pedicab, I ended up doing the five mile tour for my first Tour de Palm Springs. And uh, that was the beginning of my journey with adaptive sports. And so which sports are you doing now well given the current circumstances with covid the only sport that's really convenient given my limited access to you know sports wheelchairs and hand cycles and whatnot is just racing around in my wheelchair as you know i just did my morning run i got about four and a half miles usually i do five miles but due to the time crunch had to come back a little early and why why is it important, um, you know, exercise? I mean, what, what does it do for you? It just, I just, I love exercising. I feel it's awesome. But given the fact that like, I'm, you know, due to my disability, I feel like 
it's an outlet, you know, for to de-stress and just to meditate even. And it gives me a, a sense of independence that I wouldn't have otherwise, you know, I feel. You're a, you're a full-time student. Um, yes, I am. What are you studying and what do you hope to do for a vocation? So I'm studying nutrition science and dietetics and I aspire to be a registered dietitian and I want to work with pediatric diabetes and be a registered dietitian for that. So, you know, throughout your life, I mean, you're obviously ambitious. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. Um, What kind of support, you know, have you had from you know, friends, family, I mean, especially after you had your accident, I mean, did you ever feel as if, oh, you know, I'm not gonna be able to do anything in my life? I used to have that feeling, especially when I was a kid and younger. And given the fact that I kind of grew up um, being, I guess, you know, with the disability, I grew up with a disability. So I felt as if like being in a wheelchair or being on crutches or, you know, having to wear leg braces or whatever limitations, quote unquote, they I may have, like, I felt like that's, a, that's part of my life, you know, like, I don't know anything else. And personally, I love my life. And I love being in a wheelchair, because I feel that it makes me unique. And I think it's cool. And uh, I'm sorry, what was your question again? (laughs) So, you know, also, I mean, yeah, you know, you've come like many people to accept kind of, you know, the fact that you need to use a wheelchair for mobility. Okay, so, you know, so what? You're doing what you want to do in life. But throughout your life, you know, often we're able to find something inside of ourselves that pushes us, but we also have support from family and friends. So how, how have your, how has your family and friends supported you um, in your life? Right. So, um, well, just, uh, I've always been a happy go lucky kind of kid and guy in general and I never really like I kind of well given the fact that my parents you know they're both immigrants that came to America in the you know early 90s and for the longest time like they never anticipated to have a a tap to rape to have to raise a child with a disability you know that was just kind of sprung on them and so I mean given that like I've kind of had to figure things out myself mostly just as like I went along in my life myself. But fortunately, like I had, you know, a strong foundation in terms of like education, like with my family at least, you know, and the support system, like my mom, she was a professor at a a well-renowned university in Pakistan and she was an electronic engineer. And uh, she came to America and went from being a successful professor to being a stay-at-home mom and housewife, you know? 
and my dad was a Domino's pizza delivery guy. And we lived in a one bedroom, one bath apartment in, you know, Banning, California. And uh, well, so going back to your question though. So growing up, like I've, my mom has always like, um, you know, pushed me and my sister. Well, she never really had to push my sister because fortunately she was always self-motivated ever since she was in preschool. She would always come home as a little four-year-old and just, you know, get straight to homework and, you know, would do everything herself, God bless her. But um, I had that, you know, like that support. Well, just to like on a tangent real quick, I feel like, you know, education itself gives people opportunities, no matter what your ability or disability may be, that you wouldn't otherwise be able to afford, you know? And in that sense, I feel unfortunate because I've had that constant support and reinforcement from my mom and my sister, you know? And I mean, granted, I've always had to, you know, figure out things, how to do things differently or how I would have to, you know, do things logistically differently given my disability. I mean, that's been a process in itself. And granted, sometimes it's made things a little more challenging or um, it's allowed for things to like take a little longer than it would have otherwise, but you know, it's all part of the process. So when you, um, you know, you came home after three months of being in the hospital, one month being in a coma, um, I mean, eventually you went back to school and do you remember how, how did you feel when you went back and how did your classmates treat you? I mean, did they treat you differently? How, yeah, how did that work? Well, I think I was too young to realize whether they were treated me differently or not, but I'm sure things were different because I was different. And um, well, from what I remember, so um, I had, when I returned to school, I had returned, when I started, I had just started school, you know, since my car accident happened in, on August 22nd, which I believe was towards the end of um, summer vacation that year. So I wasn't able to start school on time. And uh, since I was in the hospital for about three months, uh, September, October, November, um, I probably started school in about November that year. And uh, I, I, that was the beginning of my first grade year, my year of first grade. And uh, I remember when I got back from the hospital, even still like I didn't start school right away. And I'm guessing that was just so I could like rehabilitate to being back home and get used to it. And uh, I remember I was, so I came back home and for two weeks, I was, my parents just like, you know, told me to stay at home. Well, they didn't tell me, but they had me, you know, stay at home. And I was, you know, allowed to, you know, able to go with them out and, you know, do errands or go with my mom to work or whatever. But I hadn't been, you know, hadn't started going to school yet. But when I did start going to school, I remember my best friend from kindergarten, Robert, he was in my um, class and I sat next to him and this other girl. 
and her name was Anna for what it's worth. <laughs> and uh, I'm so uh, I had a traumatic brain injury from my car accident for what it's worth. And uh, since, you know, it was relatively fresh given, you know, my being back in school and like my brain injury just having happened a few months earlier, I was, uh, I guess my, my brain activity or like, you know, my memory wasn't um, up to par just yet. So I was constantly like having trouble like with memory or like, you know, whatever the teacher had just said, I would like constantly ask like, whoever was sitting next to me, whether it was Anna or Robert, like, what did, what did Ms. Shayshan just say? Like, what are we supposed to do? And then like, I remember sometimes like they would get annoyed of it, but like, I didn't know anything better, you know? So like, I was just like, go along with the flow or just laugh it off or whatever. But um, so that year was the only year um, in my academic career that I've ever had to take summer school because I felt a little behind during the academic year. So, um, but after that, yeah, like it wasn't really problematic or anything. And then, you know, so eventually, I mean, obviously you went through middle school, high school, you went to college, mm -hmm. but then you had another accident in college. What, what happened? Yeah, so uh, when I started using my wheelchair my junior year, Fast forward to after high school, I graduated, went to Cal Poly Pomona and uh, fast forward to my second year at Cal Poly Pomona. One day, I remember it was a Friday. It was February 22nd, coincidentally. Um, and I remember just that day, like I didn't have anything to do. And I just remember sitting around my apartment being bored. And when I had been in college, like I, well, since I had started, you know, at Cal Poly Pomona, I never really ventured out in my wheelchair like I used to when I was in high school. And so that day I just like, I had an epiphany. I was like, why don't I ride my wheelchair to the gym, you know? Because I could get a workout done and it would be an adventure in itself. And the gym was, mind you, it was about a mile or two away from my apartment. So I, I set out, you know, I went to the gym, got my little workout in and I was coming back and I remember like coming back from the gym on two separate occasions, cars had one, like two cars had pulled over for the first time one car had pulled over. And I think it was, I remember it being, it was like a husband and a wife. And they asked me like, Hey, like, uh, where are you going? Like, can we give you a ride? And I just told them like, Oh no, no, thank you. Like, I'm good. I'm just exercising. And so I, you know, I kept rolling, kept going. And then, as I kept going, like another car pulled over later on and it was a car full of guys. I think they're coming back from baseball practice or something. And uh, I remember they asked me like, hey bro, like, do you need a ride? And I was like, oh no, nah, dude, like, I'm good. I'm just, you know, rolling to my, uh, to Cal Poly Pomona. I go to, you know, and I'm just getting some exercise and thank you though. And so I remember like 10 to 15 minutes after that, you know, they asked me like, I finally got to my apartment. Well, I was across the street from my apartment complex and I was crossing the crosswalk and a car, um, when it was my turn to cross the crosswalk, a car hit me at 40 miles per hour crossing the intersection. And uh, I flew 20 feet in the air and uh, I ended up fracturing my hip. I was unconscious for about half an hour or so. 
and until um and then I remember I regained consciousness there was this man standing next to me I couldn't really see anything because my glasses had been knocked off due to the impact you know being hit by the car and I just remember waking up and there being like headlights all around me and I just remember seeing blood on the road around me and like um I had the wind knocked out of me so talking was even a challenge and I remember this guy standing next to me is like hey man, you've just been hit by a car. Do you have anyone, anyone's number that I can like call for you? And so like, I said, yeah, like, and I gave him my mom's number. And he called my mom and he said, hello, ma'am, don't worry. Um, I remember this conversation or what he told my mom to this day because my mom told me what he said to her. And he said, so he said, um, hello, ma'am, don't worry. Your son has just been hit by a car but it's he's okay he's been taking he's been taken to la county hospital via helicopter and my mom given her like cultural boundaries and whatnot she was having trouble like understanding that because this guy's telling her that her, i'm okay yet i'm being taken to the helicopter or to the hospital by helicopter and she knows given you know her prior experience with me and my sister you know and our first accident that People are only taken to the hospital via helicopter if it's a critical situation. So my sister and my cousin, well, my cousin was going to UC Riverside at the time and my sister was at UCLA. So right away, she called my sister because my sister, you know, living in LA, she could, you know, go to LA County Hospital and, you know, find where I was or get a hold of me. But my sister didn't answer her phone. So she, she called my cousin and my cousin texted my sister so both my sister and my cousin went to LA County Hospital. They were the first ones to meet me there. And I just remember like going in and like, I was on morphine. They put me on morphine while I was in the helicopter. So I was kind of like loopy, not really like in my right, you know, state of mind. Anyway, um, I remember they like, they rolled me in like on a stretcher. And uh, I just remember like having this like euphoric feeling, like, you know, despite all the pain I was in or whatever. But, um, yeah, so after, just to give you a long story short, kind of, um, I ended up not getting surgery. Uh, they had anticipated to give me a hip replace replacement, but um, I ended up not going through the surgery just because since I was a Riverside County resident and I was in an LA County medical institution, they were having, there was like controversy or issues with them accepting my insurance to have surgery. So after a week, you know, of having fasted in anticipation of having the surgery, I just told my like nurses that, hey, you know, like I don't want surgery anymore. I just want to be able to eat because my pain was so excruciating that it made my hunger that much worse. So the next day, a physical therapist came into my room and he said, you know, he brought in a hospital wheelchair and he said, you know, if you can transfer yourself from your bed to this wheelchair, then you can go home today. And since I had been hit on the right side of my body, and I mean, granted, I only fractured my hip, the entire right side of my body was in shock. And my arm was like literally stuck in a 90 degree angle like this. And it hurt so much just to extend it fully. So it took me about two hours, if not a little more, just to get to the side of the bed. And it took me about another hour or so to try to transfer into the wheelchair. 
And the first time I tried to transfer into the wheelchair, I fell straight to the ground. And my therapist, he was, you know, this tall, buff dude. So he just picked me up from the ground and put me back in my bed. And he said, just keep practicing on stretching your arm and I'll come back later today and we'll try it again. So I kept, you know, practicing on stretching my arm. He came back later. Eventually, you know, I got into the wheelchair and I was able to go home that night. But even getting into my mom's van, I remember that night was like such a mission in itself. Anyway, I went back home and instead of living on campus this time around, I was still going to school, but instead of living on campus, I was living at home, which was two miles or two hours away from campus, right? And uh, my dad was taking me to school and back every day. And um, I remember one day, like, I had to use the restroom. And, well, I had been given extra time on all of my assignments because my sister had emailed all my professors and the dean of my university, you know, explaining the circumstances and everything that happened. So when I went, got back to school, all my professors, you know, had given me extra time to catch up on all my assignments and whatnot. But one day when I was working on an English assignment that I had, I had to go to the restroom suddenly. And I was in my apartment on campus, mind you. And uh, I tried transferring to the toilet seat and I fell to the ground. And I just remember like sitting there and just crying. Not because, I mean, I was in pain a little bit from the, you know, the impact of the fall, but I just came to the realization that despite how resilient I was trying to be, I knew that I had to withdraw from my classes for the remainder of that quarter. And I could no longer keep up with the pressures of my academics. And the reason why I was crying was because like, I didn't know how I was gonna break that to my mom especially because back then she was, you know, very academically forward of me and like she, my sister, and she always wanted us to excel academically. And my sister had always excelled academically. And me, I mean, I wasn't as academically successful as my sister had been. She graduated valedictorian from high school and, you know, salutatorian from UCLA or not salutatorian, um, summa cum laude. There, there you go. That's the highest honor society. So I had like all these expectations to subconsciously live up to. So I just like, you know, I didn't know how I was gonna break up, break it to my mom, you know? And even when I called her and I tried telling like, mom, like, I can't do this anymore. I have to withdraw from all my classes. Even, even then she was like, you know, don't withdraw from all your classes. Just, you know, take a class or two and still try, you know, try to, you know, keep up with it. And like the fact that she wasn't being understanding of that made me even more emotional and upset. And I just told her like, you know, I can't, I can't, like my physical situation right now won't allow me to. And granted now, like, you know, everything I've been through, like we've been through together and we all have a different understanding now. But um, so, well, Sorry, I'm getting, just trying to get back on track. So I had withdrawn from all my classes for that quarter. And, you know, I spoke to all my professors and whatnot. And I explained to them, you know, due to my circumstances, like I'm going to have to retake your class next quarter. But 
And when I came back home, I thought it would be a rehabilitative experience. But coming back home, I was just literally for like two months or however long it was given the rest of that quarter and spring break, I was just confined to laying on my couch in our living room all day, every day. And that was depressing in itself. And I, I thought it was going to be better for me to go home and just, you know, get a, just have some time to recuperate, but it was actually the opposite experience. And I remember most days, even then I would just like, I was in excruciating pain and I couldn't like, I could hardly move. And I needed even help from my dad just to use the restroom. And that made me feel worthless because the fact that I couldn't even use the restroom or go to the bathroom myself took away from my manhood. And I just felt like, like I'm worthless. But well, so fast forward to when I returned to school, I thought, you know, first I thought that coming back home and being able to properly heal would be, you know, the best for me. But since that didn't go the way I planned, I thought, you know, going back to school and being around my regular environment, environment, you know, around friends and all that would be what I needed. And I thought that would be conducive to my healing process. But when I returned to school, I just, I was subconsciously depressed and I just became focused on solely having, you know, a good time and having fun all the time and not being worried about anything else. Because suddenly, well, when I was in a car accident, when I was six, I always subconsciously thought that whatever happened to me or whatever needed to happen to me already happened. But when I got hit by a car, then that kind of opened up my eyes like, wow, you know, anything could happen. And suddenly my mentality became like, I could die at any moment. And then I felt like that moment was going to be soon. So I felt like, what's the point of trying hard or working hard in school or anything if it's not going to be worth anything if I'm just going to die at the end, you know, especially if that moment is going to be soon. So eventually, you know, that mentality of, you know, not caring and due to my subconscious depression and just whatever I was going through mentally, I eventually, after a year of continuing to not care and, you know, I was failing in all my classes except for one. I remember I got an A in genetics, which was like one of the hardest classes I took, which I don't even know how I got an A, but whatever, it is what it is. Um, I received an email a year after, so I was hit by a car winter quarter of 2013. And then the next year, 2014 winter quarter, I received an email saying, due to your continued, um, you know, academic probation without showing improvement you're being expelled from the university so I was kicked out winter quarter that year due to academic probation and that following summer I started at COD College of the Desert the local community college and um, so I started taking classes there and you know, I started doing better eventually and whatnot. But even that, you know, I was in community college for so many years. I think it was a total of, let me see, seven years or six years, something like that. And um, I, I had applied to, go, you know, to go back to a university 
three or four different times. And every time I had applied initially, I would, you know, hear back from, so the first few times I only applied to Cal Poly Pomona, but this, um, and initially like I would, I would hear back from them saying, you know, congratulations, you've been admitted. But towards the, towards the end of each summer, I would hear back from them again saying, after revising your transcripts, we had to withdraw your admission. But the fourth time it happened, it happened with a different university. So I was kind of thrown off. And at first, like I was semi excited, given that you know I was accepted into a different university. So I thought it might be different, but I didn't, I still didn't want to get my hopes up too high because I thought, you know, it's still too soon and anything could happen. And, you know, soon enough, you know, soon enough, obviously the same thing happened. But instead of getting emotional and, you know, just getting into my feelings. I just started to think logistically after reading that letter. And I, I called them. I said, hey, you know, the same thing happened previously with another university. Like, what is it? What's going on? Because I've been doing well in community college. So like, what's going on? And they said that it was from the classes and the grades that I had received after, you know, getting hit by a car. And I had received those grades so long ago that I didn't think they would be relevant or even applicable anymore, but apparently they were. So the following year, after, you know, having had that experience, I took kind of a, not intentionally, but um, it just turned out that I took a gap year just to figure everything out. And uh, so, We took now, it, I took a gap. Yeah, now you're, and now you've been back in school for how long? So I'm a semester in, and I took 16 units this last semester, got straight A's. Yeah. And uh, yeah. That's terrific, man. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's cool, you know, from straight F's to straight A's. That's my motto. So <laughs> how much, um, so how many more semesters do you have until you graduate? So ideally, I have three this next semester and then next year. And then next year. And then you'll have yeah. your bachelor's degree, right? Yeah. Yeah. That is so terrific, Ali. Thank Amazing you. Amazing story. I mean, just, you know, to show how resilient you are and you came back from two really major um, accidents. But what would you say, Ali, to someone who you know, has an adult who has just had an accident, you know, to motivate them? It's not going to be an easy journey, but don't give up because if you don't give up, it'll definitely be a journey that's worth it. So Ali, this has been a really wonderful interview and we, I so appreciate you being so honest and kind of telling your Welcome. story and, you know, what you went through. Really, I mean, I could just feel, you know, the pain and the difficulty, but, you know, from knowing you for a little bit more than a year, I mean, I know that yeah. you are, you know, you're a happy person. You don't, Thank you. you know, you don't let anything stop you, you know? Yeah. One final question though is, so, you know, so you're going to graduate in 2022. Yeah. Um, you graduate and then, you know, what, what do you want to accomplish? What are some other things you'd like to do um, in your life, you know, beside having your career and such? 
Well, since the track of stability has kind of just began, so to speak, for me, I'm kind of just playing it by ear right now. Because, I mean, given my track record so far, you know, things have happened that haven't been in my control. So I'm kind of just, you know, playing it as I go, you know, right now. Yeah, very good. All right. This has been another episode of Getting Everyone Moving. Uh, thanks again, Ali. And we hope to see You're you. You're welcome.